it's a lot different than going to a museum. You can't touch anything in a museum. You are there for an hour and you probably get bored if you're like me. One of the cool things about a lot of our houses, I think 10 out of 12 are owned by the original families and many of them live on site. So good chance that you're going to get to meet Lord and Lady Howard or the Earl of Sandwich or the Duke of Bucklew, right? They're cool people. They've got an incredible story to tell themselves and how they grew up running around this palatial estate and the thousands of acres that they're on. Hello there. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, for season four of our series, a season of celebration and community with families all around the world who welcome us to breathe in the crisp air, sip slowly from a warm mug, and cozy up by the fireplace as we gather around festive memories and merry conversations. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Michael Golden, founder and COO of Storied Collection, where he and his community are building the finest historic castle and estate hotel collection, granting guests access to the most unique stays and experiences, leaving lasting memories and a deeper knowledge of history. Michael, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company. Thanks so much, Molly. Excited to be here today. Now, before we get to know your 11 properties across the United Kingdom and Ireland, with an average age of 374 years across the collection, we want to get to know you. So can you tell us about yourself, your passions, and your career in hospitality prior to founding Story Collection? So I've been in the travel industry for about 10 years now, mostly on the biz dev side for travel tech companies. I got into it after playing professional volleyball over in Europe and really learning to love travel and additional cultures. So it's kind of bitten me and I've been hooked ever since. I love the travel industry. I can't imagine being anywhere outside of it. The people, the places you get to go, the stories and the adventures that I can tell my kids and you know, my son asks about castles all the time. So it's uh, it's really a special thing. And I would advise anyone that hasn't experienced working in travel or in hospitality as a whole, it's a, a very rewarding career. It's certainly a passion. Absolutely. And so having worked in the industry, was there a specific moment, perhaps a conversation, place, or person that sparked the idea of storied collection? Or did this idea kind of grow over time? Yeah, it definitely grew over time. We were live on one of our podcasts and just tongue in cheek throughout the idea of a castle brand. And the guy that we were interviewing, his name is Jeremy Gall, founder of Breezeway. He was also the founder of Flipkey. He was like, no way, that's a terrible idea. So I took that criticism as a challenge and went over to Europe with my wife after COVID happened. And we wanted to stay in a castle and ended up staying in one of my ancestral homes if you will, if you can call it that. My 15th great-grandfather owned a place called Fenton Tower in Scotland for about five years before the English sacked it. Just unbelievable being in a place that 15 generations ago was in my family tree. 
and then thinking about all the things that had to have happened between that time and today, being there in that moment. So I was on a work trip the following week for my job at the time down to Miami and met up with a, a longtime friend of mine who was one of the first employees at Airbnb and told him how cool this trip was, how much fun my wife and I had had and how it was pretty hard to find a quality castle with good response times and still affordable and all of that. And he was actually in the process of finding a manor house to get married in. His wife is English. And he was running into a lot of the same challenges of there's no kind of trusted database or brands that you know you're getting a certain level of quality from. And so we were like, okay, cool. There might be something here. And then we tabled it for three or four months. And then we met back up and basically said, okay, we've both noodled on, on this for a few months. Let's do it. Why not? And here we are. We're about a year and a half into it. And it's taken some twists and turns, but I, I think we're on a really good path now. Absolutely. And so can you share a little bit behind your unique business model? What do you mean by Story Collection being a soft brand? I know that's where members have access to the marketing power, the industry education and support, but they also are remaining independent and solely owned. So what does that really mean? And why did you choose that particular business model? Yeah. So we looked around the room at what kind of business models that we could apply to a very, very specific niche segment of the market. And there weren't enough castles to have an OTA platform that we just take a booking commission on. But we ran across two in particular that were, were very inspirational for us. One was Design Hotels and the other is Relay Chateau. Design Hotels focuses on very design forward fiercely independent properties all over the world. And when you stay at a design hotel, you know it because it looks a certain way. It feels a certain way. They grew design hotels to 300 properties and then sold to Marriott. So that's a great success story. And then there's Relais Chateau. It's French-based company. A lot of properties that, that we desire as well, but their big focus is on Michelin star food. And their ADRs are extremely high. Five-star hotel plus Michelin star food. So they were very niche, very focused on a specific segment. So we looked at both their business models. We ended up getting the former CEO of Design Hotels on our board. And he really helped us think through how to structure the company in a way that Design Hotels did. They could be acquirable in the future, but is also going to just build a really good niche specific business. And when anyone thinks staying in a castle, they're going to ultimately find us and stay with us. Well, you certainly are building out that space and being known as those trusted experts and providing that sense of consistency across that experience, which I definitely want to get into but before that, what was it like building essentially an international business remotely over the past year? What challenges and triumphs have you faced along the way? That's a great question. I've worked remote for pretty much my whole career. So that jump for me wasn't terribly hard. It means some earlier mornings than normal, working over at UK hours much of the time. But 
I wish I had a little more time in continent to meet with all of our members, but it also forces us to do things like member meetups. We've got our first member retreat coming up in January where all of our members, I think, except one or two will make it to Dublin and go out to one of our houses out there and really start to build the community. So we're all remote. All these properties are in very challenging, typically, locations to get to. So a lot of folks face the same struggles and challenges that that we do as a remote company. At Storied, we've got staff in Spain, two in the UK, Miami, myself, outside of Atlanta, we've got New York. So it's quite spread out. Nobody is in the same city. We just have to be really good at communicating digitally. And it really comes down to the team and having the right people that you can trust to get their job done and make sure that they're aligned with the direction that everyone else is rolling in. Well, and then you get that international perspective too. You're not all just focused in one city, in one area, but you're able to get ideas and make connections and network really across the world and then be intentional about when you are together, spending that time present in the moment and whatnot. Yeah. We've learned a lot from our UK staff on how things operate over there. And then myself and Justin in the US, primarily working largely US hours, we can drive the the value and the reservations and the awareness in the US market, which is our goal. So it plays out quite nicely. Honestly, the hardest thing to figure out is banking and taxes. Currencies. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how does your passion for history pair with your passion for hospitality? In your opinion, how do these two go hand in hand? I've always been a big history nerd, if you will. I've gotten the chance to travel quite a bit throughout Europe and just learn all the different eras and just be fascinated with other cultures and and what's happened that kind of has influenced modern day. And then I've also always been pretty interested in genealogy and ancestry, which is what one of the reasons we started Storied Collection. But like I said in the intro, hospitality industry as a whole, there's nothing like it. It's so much fun. It sucks you in and people that get into hospitality have a hard time leaving hospitality. There's probably more careers that you can make more money or work fewer hours or have less stress, but the benefits certainly outweigh in many cases, the negatives. Definitely. Well, and I think to be able to go and experience a sense of place and the history of it, especially for us in the U S we don't really get to witness and experience history like that. We can read about it in textbooks. We can watch movies and documentaries about it, but actually physically being there and standing where your ancestors stood is so special. So I really think that for those of us who do appreciate history or even those of us who are curious, just having that sense of place and that presence there is definitely unique. It's a lot different than going to a museum. You can't touch anything in a museum. You are there for an hour and you probably get bored if you're like me. One of the cool things about a lot of our houses, I think 10 out of 12 are owned by the original families and many of them live on site. So good chance that you're going to get to meet Lord and Lady Howard or the Earl of Sandwich or the Duke of Bucklew, right? They're cool people. They've got an incredible story to tell themselves and how they grew up running around this 
palatial estate and the thousands of acres that they're on. But it's a chance to kind of live in the history. And I, I remember I was out at one of our houses, Gilmerton House, in April or May of this year and had the windows open all night. And when I woke up, the the grouse were just gaggling in the trees nearby. Not a single car, not a single voice. Like it was just unbelievably relaxing to wake up in such kind of remote but still very comfortable and luxurious property. So it is quite a different experience than you'd get at a hotel. And it's quite a different experience than you'd get in a city center that, that's not quite as historic. But a lot of the art that's on these walls is original. The wallpaper, there's just some really cool designs and all the crown molding, all the little touches that used to go into architecture if you take the time, you'll see them all. And they never spared an expense back in the day for the small aesthetics. Absolutely. Certainly, it's like taking a step back in time. And I always like to say, if the walls could talk, and truly these walls are talking for multiple generations, telling the stories, and, and that's what you do such a great job of doing with the brand that you've created is empowering and, and allowing these places to share their stories. Funny you mentioned if walls could talk. We actually have a section on our site called If Walls Can Talk mm -hmm. that we have a historian. Shout out Claire. She's an unbelievable writer. She loves period history in the UK and the stories that she puts together are fantastic. We try and write a handful of stories for each of our member houses. Less kind of a story line and more a specific snapshot in time. So one of them was an ancestor of Gilmerton House was one of the first models in vogue in the early 1900s. And I remember being out there in April talking to Matt Kinlock, the next in line to inherit the house. And he had never heard this story before. And so he called his uncle and his uncle was like, oh yeah, I remember the name Mary Jean, but I didn't know that story. And she ended up marrying a baron at another great estate called Grantley Hall in England. So being able to unveil some cool moments in time, not only to our guests and, and the guests of the house, but also to the owners is pretty cool. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. And so it's time for us all to take a trip to your storied collection estates as they stand today. Can you share a bit more about what each historic castle and estate hotel stay features from experiences to amenities and beyond? Our houses range from seven bedrooms to 25. Almost all of them have additional dwelling units scattered around a barn house or a guest house or a gatehouse or whatever. So they're very well suited for groups or corporate events. We've been seeing a lot of inquiries for retreats lately, like artistic retreat or a photography retreat or a yoga retreat, all very well suited for those types of properties. But Several of our houses have Michelin star chefs employed full-time to have really an upscale dining experience. 
And depending on the location, golf is a really big driver, particularly in Scotland. Of course, whiskey tasting also in Scotland. Falconry is really cool. There's shooting excursions, fishing, boating, foraging, rewilding, all sorts of stuff. Country pursuits, as as they call it. That's definitely a good way to encompass all the different activities that most of us don't get to experience day to day. And so what was the common thread that you looked for in partnering with storied collection castles and estates? What values and offerings were most important to you in defining that signature storied collection experience? We get asked that question a lot, and it's really tough for us to put our finger on exactly these are the boxes, because broadly speaking, we know it when we see it, and sometimes it can fool us because there's more than just the property that go into it. It's the service levels, it's the owners, it's the communication. We've had a couple owners that everything looked good from the property, went out and saw it, and it just it wasn't a fit culturally with our team and them. And that's okay. We're going after the top 5% of estates in the UK and Ireland, and one in 20 is going to be a good fit, basically. So largely speaking, we like the larger houses typically because the retreat sizes tend to be in the 10 to 20 range. So it's always good to have bedrooms in that size. The visual appeal, Instagrammable, story to tell and old, vaguely defined, but very important to us. And again, that service level aspect is important to us. If we have inquiries, we want them responded to quickly with the right hospitable tone and manner and give that upscale luxury aristocratic experience to all of the guests. Absolutely. I believe those families certainly are able to do so, especially with your help and your guidance and sharing the best practices across the different castles and estates. But for the families themselves, what most excites them about being part of Storied Collection? Why are they each interested in opening their doors and allowing guests onto their land and into their essentially family history? So I think that's a question that's going to be answered in a lot of different ways. For some, it's the allure of the brand and being part of this top echelon of properties. And every house we sign seems to keep us moving up and up the ranks, which is exactly what we want to see. I think for others, it's the experience that we have in the US market, and they want more American guests. Peak season for them, summertime is very easy to book. It's harder to book midweek in the shoulder seasons. But that's largely what a lot of these retreats want. We've got relationships with the largest film location agency in the UK. They do 400,000 filming locations a year. We've tapped in with them. But there's just, depending on the property, a a kind of different approach for each of them. And it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, but the through line is that everyone feels like the sum is greater than the parts. And what we've seen is quite successful. When someone's looking to stay in a manor house or a castle for a family trip or a retreat or whatever, they don't have a single destination in mind. Often, they don't even know what country they want to go to. It's, this is cool. I want to do a retreat here. Where should we go? And then we help qualify them on how big, what's your budget, what kind of experiences do you want? 
what's important to you, how long are you staying, those types of things. And that way, you know, we can help qualify those leads. But what we've seen is very successful is when a lead goes to a house and they're not a good fit because they're too big, too small, too expensive, whatever, we can share those with other members because that they know that quality standard is there across the portfolio. And we've had some really high value bookings go from one house to another simply because it's just a better fit for the guests and the client. And we still have a long way to go to be really good at that. But when we can be good at that, the benefit is going to be exponential for all of the members of the houses to benefit from the leads that one another is getting. And that's the beauty of really the modern world and, and the way that we can utilize technology and build a community remotely, internationally. And that's the beauty of having podcasts such as this, where you can learn about different properties all within the same kind of style that you're seeking, the same values that you want to evoke, but across numerous different destinations. And so I think that there's so much for people to learn about and then to go back to or to try new things throughout the community that you're building. And I wonder, speaking specifically about the family history aspect of these properties, how can we as guests connect our own family history to these properties? Can you share more about your partnership with Ancestry.com? Yeah, there's two ways to see if you're related to any of our estates. The more accurate way would be through Ancestry.com, where we've indexed the historical owners of all of our properties given that information to Ancestry. So if you are related to anyone who's owns these houses, you'll actually see the house, who the person was, and then a link to it via storied collection. So that's definitely a lot more factual. The other route is simply typing in your surname into our homepage. We have a, a little search bar and don't just try your surname, try your mother's maiden name and her mother's maiden name and all of that. You'll be surprised what you see, but we've indexed, I think, 350 or so surnames into the database, some dating back into the 1100s, 1200s. We actually had an inquiry yesterday come through that says, hi, I'm part of, I won't say the specific name, but part of this clan and I trace my heritage back to Orlaw House in Dublin, Ireland. And we'd love to bring the whole family out and come stay. And those are the the dream bookings for us, right? The stay is going to mean that much more to that group than it would anybody else. Well, I certainly know what I'm doing after our conversation is going to see where my family's from. I know we have a lot of Irish roots. And so I definitely would love to spend a future family reunion at one of these properties. Now, for you personally, if you had to choose one story that was your favorite or resonated with you, what would it be and why? I don't think I can pick a single one. I think there's some really interesting moments in history. We have one called Middleton Castle, about an hour and a half outside of London. It was part of the War of the Roses. There's a TV show called The White Queen that followed a young lady with the surname Woodville. And this was the actual house. It wasn't where it was filmed, but this was the house that she grew up in and lots of struggles during the War of the Roses period. But this house is unbelievable. It's grade one listed, which means it is as authentic as it gets. If a window pane breaks in it, 
it's going to take months to repair because it, there's two guys in the entire country that can actually do it to period form. And it's fully moated. It's one of the few fully moated properties in the UK that is around. And it just opened to the public in October for the first time since the 1400s when it was built. That one's starting to book up. We've gotten a lot of inquiries on that one lately just because it's such a gem. It's also never been open to the public. Being one of the first in this house and experiencing it is something that's tough to beat. That's one. There's another one we've got in Sligo, Ireland that has Knights Templar ties. I love the Knights Templar stories. There's one that was my ancestral home called Fenton Tower, where King James hid out. He was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. So all of the back and forth between England and Scotland at the time. There's, man, I love the Vogue story from Gilmerton. One of my favorite people in our portfolio is Luke Montague, who is the Viscount Sandwich. I think the, the title is Viscount Hitchingbrook. His father is the Earl of Sandwich. But just great people. I will dodge that question and not say any one particular house. <laughs> well, you've impressed us all with the amount that you do know, the stories, the history across the different properties and, and being able to keep them all straight. So we will be quizzing you later on in the episode. But with properties in Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales, what can you share more about what makes their heritage, their history, their culture, specifically Scottish or English, Irish or Welsh, what really makes them locally relevant? These are the staples of their communities in large part. The house was the kind of center of the community for many, many years. And today it still holds true. A lot of weddings have happened in these houses through the years. You, know, you talk to anybody in the community or even folks that work at the houses now, the house has played an important role in their life in, in some way, shape, or form. They grew up with their kids playing in the front lawn. Their ancestors lived on the estate somewhere around. Not all of it is always great pieces of history, but there's certainly, we can't ignore history. And there's a lot of learnings that we've all had through the years. So yeah, they're, they're central points in the communities. Well, and you had touched a bit about all of the different activities that guests can experience to truly immerse themselves in that culture. You mentioned golfing and a lot of the other wilderness-based activities, but from a culinary or wellness experience perspective, are there any that you're most excited about across these different stays? Another one of my favorite stories that I failed to mention earlier was a relationship that the house owner, the Hunter Blairs, had with Oscar Wilde. So they were childhood friends, university friends. You know, the story of Oscar Wilde is a bit out there on its own, but he lost his mind for a little while. And this person that owned Dunsky Estates helped keep in touch with him and, and keep Oscar Wilde grounded through the years. So super cool there. But on Dunsky, they have one of the best culinary experiences you can get in Scotland. They've got a, their own full-time Michelin-starred chef employed. And that goes back to the community. They pull a lot of locals to help 
source food to help prep food. And then they've got one of the best chefs in Scotland able to prepare it in a way that blows people's minds from executives to Google who go there on a regular basis to, I think they, this year they were awarded the top wedding venue in Scotland. Dunsky's one I, I definitely want to highlight there. Another one that's new to our portfolio is called Carlton Towers. They have their own vineyard and winery. So that's a unique one for our portfolio. And it has a three Michelin star chef that comes along with it. So I've never eaten three Michelin star food. I've had the pleasure of experiencing one Michelin star chefs a number of times, but I am very excited to experience that one day out at Carlton Towers. And then from a wellness piece, I mentioned Luke and Julie Montague at, at Mapperton House down in Southern England. Julie's a renowned yoga instructor. So they've done yoga retreats out at that property. Dunsky has also done uh, a number of yoga retreats. And then Dabton House has a spa treatment room dedicated for wellness specifically. I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but those are definitely the highlights. Absolutely. It certainly sounds like it. Well, and so I'm sure I speak for both myself and our listeners in wanting to know what the future holds for you, your family, and your future guests at Storied Collection Stays. And so you had mentioned one of your new properties, but as you continue to evolve your storied relationship with your current collection of estates, what can future guests look forward to? And is there anything new or coming soon? There's things we're talking about. (laughs) I think the biggest piece for us is to really get to and nail the top 5% of the market. We're already getting leads that people have said, oh, you're the castle people. So word is spreading, which is great. Some of that (laughs) stuff takes a lot of time to build. The thing that that I want to really nail is the community of our members and having them be part of something bigger than just their one, one massive property, but one property nonetheless, and help them help everyone else with the community. So that's a big thing that's a, a focus for us in the coming months. And then the wheels in motion to expand into France and Italy as well. So Loads and loads of properties in France, lots in Italy as well. I'm a bit intimidated by that process, but we're going to start kicking that off in the new year. Oh, I can only imagine how going on tour through Europe with Story Collection would be such a dream. I mean, talk about the best food and wine and just nature activities across all of those. Imagine your Instagram feed, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Exactly. I will certainly be signing up for all of that. Now, what advice do you have for your guests and our listeners and how we can give back to and return the knowledge and time shared with us by these storied collection hosts? I think the biggest piece is the honoring and respecting of heritage. A lot of these houses, particularly in France and the UK, have fallen by the wayside and they're really expensive to maintain There might be struggles of it being passed generation to generation or not having any heirs to it. And then the price tag of the properties is not low either. But these are pieces and people of history that are very important. And each property that kind of falls off the wayside is a story lost and an experience not had by future guests. And it's not just the central integral part of the very local community, but America is a country of immigrants. We've all come from all these places, whether our ancestors owned them or worked at them or 
got married in them hundreds of years ago, like who knows. But our big mission is focusing on heritage, letting people experience history. And you know, the little working tagline we, we have is where history creates memories. We want people to not have this stuffy experience of history, but actually live a day in the life of these aristocrats and what it was like back in the day. And it's actually a lot more affordable than you might think. Not if you're a couple traveling, but if you're traveling with a group of, of folks, the average starting price per bedroom is around 250 pounds, about 300 bucks. So quite affordable. Again, our smallest house is seven bedrooms. Our biggest is 25. So the price tag can get up there, but you're breaking it down. It's quite affordable. Well, and it's so great for those multi-generational family reunions or celebrations too. I just had the pleasure of going back to Budapest, Hungary with my fiance's grandparents who had emigrated from Budapest during the Hungarian revolution. And to hear the stories, to see the apartment building where his grandpa lived and to walk the chain bridge that he used to shovel snow off of. I mean, hearing it from his mouth, seeing his expression, the tears in his eyes, that's just something that you you can't read in a book. You can't capture in a photo. And so having those opportunities to be there in person with those relatives, sharing those memories are what last a lifetime. And yes, we'll record it. We journaled, we're going to write a book about it, but still it's being there with those people present in that moment. And so you're creating so many wonderful memories and opportunities for families, for groups, for retreats, like you had mentioned. Who doesn't want to stay in a castle and, and hear the tales of what's happened? Oh, let me tell you, my Irish family will be quite a rowdy bunch with our Irish dancing and, and music playing and whatnot if we ever visit one of those. So you might want to watch out. <laughs> We've got all that planned for our members retreat in Dublin in January. We've got the some award-winning Irish dance group coming out to hopefully none of our houses listen to this. That's going to be a surprise, but <laughs> it's something we're really looking forward to. And again, the sharing and spreading of the communal aspect of storied within the members, getting ideas from how others run the houses and what activities they have to keep guests engaged and excited and sharing about their experiences is what it's all about. Absolutely. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. Well, so now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Storied Collection, we've learned and grown in good company with you, Michael. And thus, I have a few final questions, what I like to call a toast to table topics. Now, this time I've decided to give you a little history lesson, which it sounds like you know your stuff. So we will be discussing which fun fact pairs with what property. <laughs> All right. Numerous scenes from The Queen, a biographical drama film starring Helen Mirren as Queen Elizabeth II, were Clooney. filmed in which estate? Which one? Clooney Castle. Clooney. There you go. <laughs> which estate is owned by the Percival family, whose ancestry dates back to when Sir Percival earned fame and honor as one of the Knights of King Arthur's Round Table? Temple House. Perfect. Which estate is Moated Castle, dating back to 1450, and is a family home open to the public for the very first time? Middleton. Yes. 
And then David and Victoria Beckham, Jimmy Choo, Gordon Ramsay, and Ian Poulter were all guests at this property, though not all at one time. Gilmerton. All right. And to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking, if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to learn more about and book a stay, an event, or a retreat at one of your storied collection locations? I'd love for any of the listeners to go to storiedcollection.com or follow us on socials at Storied Collection. So pretty easy, straightforward. If you have questions, if you're curious on pricing or dates or anything, we'd love to help. We get quite excited when we hear particularly stories of Americans wanting to trace their ancestral heritage. But the retreat aspect is also something that, that we really love because we've experienced them firsthand at, at many of these houses. And it's unlike anything that you've experienced professionally or, or even leisurely. Definitely. Well, we look forward to continuing to follow along the different stories. And as you expand your portfolio, we'll just have to have you on again and perhaps do this in person at one of your properties. We'll tell you how France and Italy expansion has or hasn't gone. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us, Michael, and for sharing with us where stories come to life and where history creates memories. Thanks so much, Molly. Cheers. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends.